our country vowed to never forget 21 years ago. But those words require action. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has over 80 runs, walks, and climbs across America every year, plus dozens of more golf outings and barbecues you can be part of. There are so many ways that you can take action. Register for an event in your area or volunteer to start one. Do good and never forget by donating $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years, and he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. Today, also being for the first time on Tiki Live as well, too, whether you're watching it on the Roku, Apple TV, the Tiki Live app, everything in between, we appreciate you spending this first episode with us. My name is DJ, and I'm joined, of course, by my High Low Sports Podcast co-host, Kelsey, as well, too. And Kelsey, it's a nice, it's a new beginning for us, but we got some same old stories and some franchises and things doing the same old song and dance. Hey, New Year, new beginnings. We just had Black Monday, which is the freshest of starts that an NFL team could ever ask for. For some, some of them they only get rid of half the trash. The other ones, well, they do keep 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 some around. For better and for worse, we're gonna have a nice special guest joining us here during the middle of our segment as well, too. And we're gonna end it talking about some teams that are really hot and t- and getting the monkey off of your back, if you will. So you'll definitely want to stay tuned for those. But we're gonna go ahead and start things off with our first segment. And for those of you that are new here, we like to call our first segment. The tip-off. And the tip-off is brought to you by our good friends over at Dr. Squatch. It lets you smell like a man, you feel like a champion. Deodorant, soap, hair products, everything you need there. Go and click the link in our bio on our social media pages. You'll love everything you see there as well, too. And Kelsey, you alluded to it. We're going to start by talking about Black Monday in the NFL. Seven, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. Seven head coaching openings and some GM openings as well, too, across the league. Amongst the notable ones, the Bears with an opening now, the Giants. The Dolphins, there's a handful of them as well, too. And then there's those interim coaching spots as well, too. So, Kelsey, I'm going to start with you. What are some of those that stick out with you right away? Uh, I'm going to start with the shock of the of Black <laughs> Monday, and that's Brian Flores. 100% Brian Flores being fired and, and he being the one and not the GM. That shocked me to, to my core, considering big Brian Flores fan here. Obviously, talked about it ad nauseum. But at the same time, like, how do you win eight ga- eight out of your last nine games and get fired? Uh, how does that happen in, in 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 the reality of things? Like, that should never be the case. He won 19 games in two years. Went 4-2 and two against Bill Belichick in his three-year tenure. And had a winning overall record, if I'm not mistaken. And somehow ended up fired as well, too. After, as you mentioned, was a game and a half out of the playoffs. After starting 1-7, and seven, rallied all the way back and lost, what was it, one game during that stretch? Granted, it was a blowout against the Titans. 
But during that, you finished the season that what was it like eight of your last nine, something along those lines. Yeah, you, were, and you finished a, a plus game, 500. A game out of a playoff stretch for a team that quite literally looked dead in the water in the in the, most of the season. Like up until about week 10, you really thought this team had no chance of doing anything. But it, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, six games later, here you are in a chance for a playoff run. And then two days later, then two, two weeks later, your coach is fired. Like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Could, look! Look at where that team was when he started. They were an absolute mess. They kind of got rid of a lot of players. Ryan Tannehill, Minka Fitzpatrick, all those players. They ended up having to get rid of stockpile draft picks. They brought in two who they thought was going to be their franchise quarterback. We look at the draft last year: Jalen Phillips, Jalen Waddle, Javon Holland. All three of which were major contributors this year. I mean, Jalen Waddle broke Anquan Bolton's record. Javon Holland. Every time you watched him, he blew up off the screen. He's a fantastic, versatile player. Jalen Phillips in limited snaps was among the leaders, rookie leaders in sacks too. You go back, they where they've really seen the struggle is putting that offensive line in front of Tua as well too. And we agree, Tua's a good quarterback, limited but good. But you got to give him a little protection as well too. The running game has been, woo, 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 it's been literally a clown <laughs> juggling in a car. And then there and the offensive line's been really shaky as well too. I think Austin Jackson, I believe, was the tackle they drafted the same year as him in the first round, and he's been serviceable. But you need guys like. You need to do what the Chargers did for Justin or find a Rashawn Slater type. Go get a Corey Lindsley. Just put the money in those assets to give him a chance. And when he's been healthy, like we kind of look at it, that winning streak coincided with a healthy Tua as well. So I think it, I thought it was ridiculous. And Brian Flores got the shortest end of the stick since maybe Lovey Smith when he got fired after 10 wins or Jim Caldwell as well. Like those are the only two guys that come to mind. And he won't be out of work long. I think we can agree with that. He's already got some interviews going as well, too. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the first coaches hired back to a new new team. I mean, this is this is crazy to see. And, and you know, outside of him, there's there's a couple ones that I'm not really, I guess I'm not really surprised about, but it's more like, wow, yeah, I guess it's about time Mike Zimmer being one of that. It's yeah. just like, yeah, okay, that one, it's about time. Like, and not just Mike Zimmer, but the entire front office for the Vikings just finally being just shipped out just like you know what i'm done like it's 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 over and it's not even really an indictment on them it's more or less of just like you've been there for so long and unfortunately there was, you haven't really taken that next step you've kind of plateaued and it's like at some point you need that new voice it's kind of like it's hard to explain but it's like you're not getting any better and it's nothing that mike zimmer did wrong it's just you need a new face you need to change you just need to flip things a little bit as well too. So they've been really good during a stretch they just haven't been able to deal with green bay unfortunately as well too and then the small up and downs from the bears here and there as well too so it's unfortunately just Wrong place and wrong time. Mike Zimmer, he'll get another job possibly if he wants to keep coaching as well, too. And we mentioned it, the Bears firing their front office, which if you ask everybody in Chicago and all the Bears fans out there, a little too little and a lot too late, but we'd agree it's the right move as well, too. Yeah. Matt Nagy had kind of his time in Chicago had done, and Ryan Pace, outside that Khalil Mack trade and the Roquan Smith drafting, has been a little up and down, if you will. Even that, Ro that Khalil Mack trade, you can make an argument. It didn't really go that well considering as great as he was, you are now you had missed so many picks during that time you couldn't get a whole lot better. You had to hit on those late picks, which they hit a couple of. Them. I mean, Jalen Johnson's really good, but it's been kind of a mess there in Chicago. And now they're in the rebuild process again. Yeah, I mean, look, the the Bears is this is a situation with the Bears where you're just kind of like, all right, well, yeah, thank you finally for for getting rid of Matt Nagy. I believe it should have happened last year, but we all talked about it that they kind of just won a little too many games last year for it to be that case where it just at the the right time they just managed to pull it off. Um, this year, I honestly was worried they were going to do the same thing at one point in time, just keep rattling off wins. Uh, so that one, you know, that one, I'm, I'm really glad. I can't wait to see what, what can happen for Justin Fields if you get him an actual proper head coach in there and a front office that will actually build around him, which, you know, going back to the Dolphins thing, that's one of the big things. Obviously, GM had one idea. Brian Flores had the other. Hmm. They go with Tua. 
whose idea was it really? You know, that's a big question mark. Uh, but there's another surprise out there as well. And it's not so much surprise because he they didn't have a bad – like they, they had a bad year, yes, the Broncos. But Vic Fangio, I, I look at him and I love Vic Fangio. I love him as a coordinator. But as a head coach, this was a situation where it's like, I hate to see you get fired, but let's be honest and say you're not the greatest head coach, but you're a fantastic like position and, uh, and coordinator. But like, as a head coach, let's uh, let's just all accept this one as what it is. He's an incredible coordinator, defensive mind, X and those guys, linebacker coach among the best in the business, coaching guys from Khalil Mack to Navarro Bowman to Patrick Wills. The list goes on and on. Like his resume is absolutely incredible. He said it best, even though he said it a little bit more arrogantly, as far as I won't be out of work long if he is fired. He probably won't be. There are some there's somebody out there that will take him as a defensive coordinator, hands down. There's a lot of teams as well, too. So we've talked a little bit about there are seven coaches openings. I'm gonna go including the two interim ones. So Kelsey, I'm gonna go down the list of them. You and I, we're gonna pit, we're gonna go pretty quickly through this. Who we think is the right is a right candidate for them. We're gonna start at the very top for one that might not really be open, but we're gonna look at it anyway. The Las Vegas Raiders, obviously, Rich Bisashi is filling in as the interim co- coach as well. Too, I I'm just gonna spoil it now. I think he should get the head coaching job. That's yeah. my that's my oh, thought. I mean, do, do you agree with that one, or do you think someone else should get? I I think he's done so much to get there. They, they're, they're a playoff team. We talked about we talked about Derek Carr gets them to the playoffs. He might be consideration for MVP. Obviously, due to his stats, maybe not so much. But you act you you got to include the the interim coach into this in as far as just keeping the ship righted. Um, I think he deserves it. I think that this staff as a whole deserves to keep their their jobs, and I think he deserves to keep that head coaching position and then just bring in somebody to be an OC. One hundred percent, too. No team shot themselves in the foot quite like the Raiders did off the field, and yet the guys that were still there and the guys that stuck around, the amount of resiliency they showed, everybody should get a second chance as well, too. So I agree with you. We're just going to move on from that one quickly. And we'll go to the next one on this list here. We're just going to go straight to Denver Broncos. We just talked about them. Obviously, there is an opening there as well, too. You have some interesting thoughts at quarterback as well, too. There could, Drew Locke, if you want to give him a chance, maybe he's still young. You can mold something there. Teddy Bridgewater, you got everything but that position kind of locked down. What are some of the guys out there you're looking at for that, for that head coaching job? So it's funny. We always talk about this where if you go from one style head coach to another, you're usually successful. Like if you go from a defensive-minded head coach to an offensive-minded head coach, Somehow that thing works and it clicks the right way. And vice versa, if you were an offensive coach, you go and pick pick a defensive-minded coach. So with this, I, obviously you go from, from Fangio, who is a fantastic defensive mind. Well, I'm going to go look offensive. I'm looking at Eric Bieniemy, uh, maybe up there in Buffalo, maybe uh, you know an offensive-coordinated, offensive-minded guy. But really for me, I look at Eric Bieniemy going to Denver as a possible dark horse here, a guy who hasn't been getting as much burn as I believe he should and deserves to be. But I do think a guy that that could easily sneak his his way in, for, especially for a guy like Elway looking to hire somebody to make an impact. Eric Bieniemy fits all the all the all the check boxes on that one. Well, we're two for two because Eric Bieniemy was my guest as well too. Because not only do you bring the offensive minded guy in there who has used to who's used to work with a lot of weapons, we saw you do with Travis Kelsey. I'll give you Noah Fan. We saw what you do yeah. with guys like Tyree Kill and Michael Hartman. I'll give you KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, and Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick on top of it. And a pretty decent offensive line could use some work, but it's still there. And a defense with playmakers. Bradley Chubb, Patrick Sertan, Justin Simmons. Opportunistic guys. And Drew Locke, if, he, if you believe in America enemy, why not? If an athletic guy with an arm. Well, I like that one as well, too. And you get to take them from your AFC West competitor as well, too. So there's always something a little bit with that coming and over from the Chiefs. That's going to be the curious part. Do the Chiefs? When do the Chiefs allow him to be spoken to by the, by the uh, Broncos? Maybe even the Raiders? Maybe even reach out and talk to them? But when when do when does he when do they allow the AFC West 
teams to start talking to the enemy because you know they do have to get permissions they can talk to them now but they still have to get permission to talk to them during the playoff run so maybe they wait until after the playoffs and so that they're, they're scrambling but and if i'm the broncos i my number one guy is definitely the enemy though Outstanding. And we're going to go next on the list to the Miami Dolphins, who are expected to have among the most cap space in the NFL. A lot of good young players. But there's a re- the reason Brian Flores got fired by all intents and purposes. It feels like him and the general manager with a little bit of a power struggle in the GM. While a pretty decent GM with some of the players he's drafted, there's that always you took to over Justin Herbert sort of thing le- hanging over there as well, too. And it sounds like by the looks of it, it was a honestly a power struggle. I'm just going to go right back to that phrase as yeah. well, too. So who's somebody that you that you think could slide in there and maybe good luck to outdoing brian flores but at least carry on uh, yeah you know i this one's funny i, I want to actually go stay in florida uh, i'm thinking byron leftwich makes the relatively short drive to miami to uh, become the the new hc over there a guy who's been picking up a lot of steam who i talked about even last year maybe potentially getting some 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 burn last year as a head coach potential um but definitely i think this year he, a guy who knows a lot of franchises very well in Byron Leftwich, a guy who you know he can coach very well. He can adapt to a different play calling style. And he was also in his own right. He was slightly limited as a quarterback as far as the routes that he could throw well. And that he has seen a lot of that too. in Tua. So, you know, imagine putting that that type of mind with a guy like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's number one. Uh, number two, a sneaky one, and this one hurts me to even admit, is Kellen Moore. Coming over from Dallas. Well, hold on now, guy. We're each getting a plug and play one. You don't get to do two. Program. I'm saying it's, it's just a sneaky. It's a dark. It's a dark you, horse. You can, you can save him for later. We're doing one and one here. We're see. We're comparing okay. All right, my bad. I'm breaking the rules again. But th- okay, a- fine. Byron Leftwich is my number one. For those of you who are new, Kelsey likes to break the rules when we do these sort of things. When we do top play- ten players list, he gives us twelve. So moving forward, eleven. This is where what eleven and a half. But anyway, <laughs> where I where I'm going to go with this is I'm actually going to go in a different direction than you. I'm looking at Brian Dabble up at Buffalo as well too. I saw what him and Sean McDermott did with Josh Allen coming. A raw prospect. A lot of natural talent. The freakish on the athletic ability. And they turned into, when he's on his game, when he's outside the pocket, arguably the best quarterback in the game. When he can get outside the pocket and he's not throwing reckless interceptions. They turned him into one of the most dangerous dual threat quarterbacks in the game. They refined his throwing ability. They built around him beautifully. I mean, the weapons they put around him. They turned him into a legit MVP candidate in the last couple of years. And they're a real dark horse to win the Super Bowl this year because of Josh Allen. I look at Tua, doesn't have that same natural skill set. But he has a little bit more of those natural intangibles with the accuracy that being in those big moments. I think Brian Dabble can adjust an offense around him. You give him Jalen Waddle and a help, Will Fuller for the seven games he plays before he gets hurt, Devontae Parker for the six games before he gets hurt, Mike Gesicki, he could put together an offense around him. So I really like Brian Dabble. And you have a defense that will get you plenty of opportunities like they've had in Buffalo. I think it's a pretty good fit. And it's kind of sticking with that theme of stealing from in your division, like, it's subtraction to them and double addition for you. So I do kind of like yeah. that one. And Brian Dabble seems like a little bit of a laid back guy where he'll be like, GM, I want this. But like, I think they would be able to get along so that he seems a little more laid back, not as head on like a Jim Harbaugh type or something like that. No, that's fair. I, I don't hate that at all. I, I like Brian Dabble for sure. 100%. Now we're going to number four, the Chicago Bears. Kelsey, what, what are your thoughts on this one with Chicago? Well, pretty interesting, interesting spot there. No first round pick, but you do have who you think could be your quarterback in Justin Fields as well, too, and some pieces here and there. Yeah, like before the firings, before Black Monday, you would have thought that this is going to be like Kellen Moore, right? But after the firings, and Brian Flores specifically, I'm looking at Brian Flores going right into Chicago and fitting in there seamlessly and taking this defense that has played really poor with a lot of great position pieces and turning them back into the vaunted Chicago Bears defense that you're afraid of. Like, I don't want to go into Chicago to face a Brian Flores coach defense with their t- current talent. 
Like that is not an ideal for me. I but, do like that one. Like I do think that if you're going to be Chicago and you're going to make an impact after you just had Matt Nagy for three lame years, like here's your chance. I, I don't hate that one as well too. And you mentioned Kellen Moore, and I've been hammering this one home for the last like month and a half. Basically, I'm gonna stick with it. I love Kellen Moore there. We saw what he's done with Dak Prescott. I think you do a lot with Justin Fields as well too. And I think if you bring in a GM like Lewis Riddick, a guy who believes, and I've been hammering this one, Kellen Moore, Lewis Riddick, Bears are going to the playoffs next year. Oh, yeah. Quick and simple is that Lewis Riddick will build around him. Kellen Moore will, oh my goodness, the fun they will have with guys like Mooney, Montgomery. They have some pieces there. Cole Komet, I think they just need to round it out together. So that's definitely a good open job. And I like I like I like Kellen Moore there. Looking at number five, the Minnesota Vikings finally parting ways with Mike Zimmer after a very, very long time. It feels like it's been a couple of decades. You got Kirk Cousins entering the final year of his contract due, 35 million, it looks like. Plenty of pieces, young Jay Jettas, Justin Jefferson, and emerged top five receiver. Some good pieces, Daniel Hunter when he's healthy. Who are you looking at there for Minnesota? Uh, so this one's this one I you mentioned Lou Riddick as a GM, first of all. I honestly, Lou Riddick is my pick for GM at, in Chicago nine times out of ten until this Vikings job opened up. And now the GM's open, now the head coach is open. This is going to be one that I think the GM gets filled first. And I do think it's somebody like Lou Riddick that gets the GM position first. And he gets his he gets his pick, right? Of head coaches. Um, it's gonna come down to Brian Dabble and Kellen Moore. And I think this is going to be a situation where he's going to look at it and he's like, I have Jay Jettas, I have Kirk, I have Dalvin Cook, I have Alexander Madison behind him. Uh, let's go Kellen Moore and see what we can do with this fun offense. Like Adam Thielen will have a blast in this offense as well. Like he'll continue his ridiculous streak of catching so many touchdown passes. Hmm. So I think it's, this is going to be the one where you see Kellen Moore, Lou Riddick team up in Minnesota, though, not so much in Chicago. Okay, you know what? I, I like that one as well too. It seems like we kind of have a similar similar thing going there as well too. Yeah, it's, look- it's just down to the fact that it's a weird firing sometimes. Like you fire your GM who's been relatively like his his draft stock as a GM in Minnesota really good, and I was surprised that they're just like, bye. Like, there's the door. See ya. Don't let the door hit you with a good lord split you. Head on out as well too. So for this one, I'm gonna kind of go back in time a little bit when this one's going to be kind of goofy because he's been a head coach there before, but things have changed a little bit. I like Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator with the bills to come back as well, too. You have a pretty conservative offense as it is with Kirk cousins out there. You're going to have to move on from your quarterback. You have an elite offensive playmaker in Justin Jefferson. You have some defensive pieces as well, too. I like the idea of going with a defensive minded coach here and arguably him as he might be the top of my list personally as well, too. There are some other really good ones out there as well, but I really like what he's done in Buffalo. I mean, they were the top-rated defense for the majority of the year as well. So I like Leslie going back in time a little and bringing back Leslie Frazier. A little bit of different time. I think sometimes you just need a second chance, and I think he'd be do really well this time around as well. So it's the very unorthodox choice, but he's picking up a lot of steam, and I would not hate him in this position. You know, that's not that's an interesting one as well. But I, you know, I another sneaky good DC out there, by the way, is Raheem Morris. That can He's sneak a, into this this position position as well. One hundred percent, especially they can go on that nice little Super Bowl run here in a little bit as well. So I'm gonna move, we're gonna move on to number six and kind of coast through these last couple a little quickly. Number six, the New York Giants as well too. Two first round picks, both in the top ten, well over the 2022 salary cap as well too. They 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 got some stuff to work with here. So who are you looking at for the Giants? <laughs> they got the work cut out for them. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know who you go with here if you're the Giants. This one's tough. You could go defense and offense. I, I think if they go defense, it's Leslie Frazier. Offense, uh, this is the the loser of the Vikings category to me. So maybe Brian Dabble goes down to the New York Giants. Um, okay. But, yeah, it's tough. I, I, this one's a tough one because you can go either way, really. 
what I look at is I want somebody who I know can dig that has shown the ability to work with work with them. There's not a whole lot there to work with to have their work cut out for them. I look at Brian Flores. You have multiple first round picks like he had in Miami. You, you don't have Brian, Gettleman as the GM anymore. So you would know you'll have a different GM to work with those other two. Maybe you bring them in together. You'll have to figure out the Daniel Jones thing. That is unfortunately something they'll have to work out. You have a rip of receivers when they can stay healthy. Evan Ingram when he can catch the ball. Saquon if you do decide to keep him. Your defense, Leonard Williams. You got, excuse me, James Bradbury. Like you got playmakers. You got players. You need something to pull together. Well, we just talked about what Brian Flores did. Like, why not at this point? Yeah. No, I like it. Look, I, I think Brian Flores to New York would be a very interesting one. I almost think Brian Flores likes to stay out of the spotlight, though. So I don't know if he likes the New York circus, if you will. We, we'll, we'll see as well, too. He'll like it when they're winning, I imagine. Yeah. So that's going to take yeah. us to number seven. And we'll go through this one quickly. Jacksonville Jaguars coming, going, finishing the season 1 0 down the stretch. You got Trevor Lawrence. You got some players in there. James Robinson, Josh Allen, the defensive end, Josh Allen. Who are you looking at for the Jaguars? They'll have their work cut out for them, too. Don't get that twisted. I feel sorry for whoever gets hired here. Um, I do think this is going to be a coach who's had a chance before, who's going to get another one. Don't be surprised if Mike Zimmer gets his way down there. And and I feel sorry for Mike Zimmer having to take over this job. Uh, you have a lot of holes to fill. But a coach who has valiantly worked his way through some of the thinner years of Minnesota's histories, if you will. I like them going back in time here as well, too, and bringing in Byron Leftwich, a court, an offensive coordinator, a guy familiar with Jacksonville, a guy too help groom Trevor Lawrence because that's your future. Like the rest of it's all fine, Dan, but you got to get that guy where he needs to be. And he's showed some flashes, especially in that final game against the Colts. He looked pretty good in spurts. You need to put something in front of him. You need to block a little bit, like draft five offensive linemen in your first five picks if you have to, and let everything else fall fall where it will. So I definitely look offensive at Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that Urban Meyer thing was an absolute mess, and they should send, they should apologize to Trevor right now and give him his final year signing bonus now. I hated that move, dude. I called it the, the moment they hired Urban Meyer. This was a terrible move. And like we both we both agreed that that was gonna be just it was gonna be bad. Does he make it five games? Does he make it eleven games? We didn't we didn't know. Does he make it a full season? We didn't we couldn't predict that far out, but we both assumed it was not gonna last a whole season. We definitely both hated that move. And then there's Jim Harbaugh. You could plug in a lot of these ones as well, too. I left Yeah, off. Jim Harbaugh's a wild card. Does does he want to leave Michigan after actually finally say, sniffing a playoff chance, considering he's such a good college coach? Exactly. And I think he's a better NFL coach, but I don't know if he thinks he's a better NFL coach, which is where it'll be interesting. If he does pop up, that can maybe change some things. But Black Monday is officially over. We're going into the playoffs, but we're also heading into Kelsey's second favorite segment. That is known as the main event is what we like to call that one. This is brought to you by our good friends over at ColorCast. If you haven't checked out ColorCast, well, you're behind the times. It's the leading innovator in audio sports broadcasting, hot takes, live games, live shows, everything you can want for your new new era of sports entertainment definitely go and download that one as well too it's absolutely wonderful we're on there quite frequently and kelsey we got ourselves a special special guest for this main event yeah we do so we're gonna get right into it guys enjoy this interview we have with darren speedy clark jr brand new orlando predator signing and here we go and welcome in ladies and gentlemen as you can see i am joined by a very special guest darren speedy clark darren you've had a fantastic career ranging from cfl some nfl experience and some tryouts there as well as a lot of arena football all over the place, internationally and nationally. But man, it, it's so glad to be to have you on, man. This has been been fantastic. Uh, just talking to you, getting ready for this moment. Yeah, man, appreciate it, man. I'm very, very happy to be on. I've been waiting for this moment to talk to you. What's up? Let's, let's talk. Let's have fun. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing I got to start with, uh, obviously, you're wearing your Stillman football shirt. Obviously, yeah. if you guys don't know about Still, anything about Stillman, it is an HBCU, a D2 HBCU out of Tusca, uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. 
and uh-huh. they don't have a football team anymore. But you were one of the guys there that was that was carrying the torch for that football team while you were there. Oh yeah, me, and my boy Charles McCullum, Kenny Brown. Yeah, we 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 carried that torch. Sammy Hill, Brian Witherspoon. Um, there's a lot of guys that went pro from Stearman. Um, Jane Patrick, a couple of guys. So yeah, we represent Stearman College, SIAC. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how does it first first? I gotta ask like. HBCUs right now are a hot button topic because you got Travis Hunter and now you just had a recent top 50 receiver as well yeah. land in Jackson State. Not, not, not to even include the nine other former blue chip recruits that Jackson State's been recruiting. Yeah. HBCUs yeah. right now with the new NIL deals, man, they're booming. What do you think? What do you what do you think about that right now? Like as far as a HBCU alum, because I have a, quite a few friends that are HBCU alums that are loving this moment. Oh, man, it's amazing for the HBCU. Deion Sanders, he's doing great things for the HBCU. To pick up that kid, Travis Hunter, and the tight end from South Carolina, and the new kid that just signed the other day, that's nice. It's, it, it brings a lot to the HBCU program. Like, let kids be free. Let them pick what school they want to go to. Like, just have fun. Oh, absolutely. I'm right, I'm, I'm right there for it. You know, because yeah. you talk about it. And, like, I don't think a lot of people understand HBCUs, man. It's a, it's a, it's a family. You go oh, to school yeah. at an HBCU. I'm, and there's one thing, I, I, I want to talk to you about this a little bit later, but, I mean, you're obviously from the Atlanta area, right? Yes, sir. How'd you, how'd you manage to get out from underneath the Morehouse men, the Spellman women? How'd you manage to get out of that and end up in Tuscaloosa? How'd you, how did you pull that one off? Hey, man, that's a great question, because I'm from the neighborhood right across the street from Mar Brown, Clark Atlanta, Spellman, and Morehouse called Vine City. Okay. But my coach, Greg Thompson, he went to my high school back in the days and he leaded all yards and passing and everything. He became the head coach at Mar Brown College in 2003, 2002, 2001, before I got out of high school. So when he got the opportunity to become the head coach at Stillman, I followed him. I went with him. And it always been like a family to me. Even my quarterback, I said, Charles McCullum, we grew up together. We're from the same neighborhood. Okay. So by us coming together, it was great. We had a lot of fun. We we set a lot of records. We did a lot of good things at Stillman College. Yeah, man. You, I mean, you guys really, like, you guys had a blast at Stillman. Uh, one oh, of the yeah. honestly, I think believe you guys, your your guy, your four years there were about the most winningest four years in Stillman's history, if I read that correctly. Yes, so, sir. I, I mean, you can't complain with that type of a a record. <laughs> Obviously, 2015, the last season, they didn't start their first season until '99. It doesn't matter how long they play, four years, and you can leave with that to be the winningest record. That's yeah. saying something, man. Yes, yeah, sir. It's, it's a lot of amazing things that came through Tuscaloosa. Like, I love this statement because right there with University of Alabama. We got our opportunity to do our pro day with University of Alabama if you're a pro host. So you get to work out in front of all 32 teams. So it's up to you how you perform on the field. And if we win and they win, Man, Saturdays be great in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> yeah, you know, I little I know a little something about that. I went to I went to Auburn. So Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you know, uh, I, I I was there, I played football there and before I got injured. And man, I can tell you there was some of my best friends that went to Tuskegee and it was the same thing with Tuskegee and Auburn. Tuskegee man, wins, Tuskegee. Auburn wins. Tuskegee had the craziest um student session ever. Yeah. Yeah, you guys played yeah. them regularly too, if I'm not mistaken. You guys what, what every year at least twice? That was your guys' big rivalry? In state. Oh, that was our, that was our, EST, our ESPNU game. We yep. played them every year, like the first game or the last game for homecoming. Yeah, it always be a great game towards Miles College, Tuskegee, all of them. Yeah, and see, so that's a funny part about 
growing up in Alabama and living in Alabama, playing in Alabama sports-wise, not only is it Alabama-Auburn, but you take it down a little bit further, you got A&M and State. You got the Classic yep. every year in Birmingham. And then yep. you also have Stillman-Tuskegee every year. Seems to be a good one. Well, when they were still playing. And now it's like, man, I, I still don't get how you get how you managed to get to Tuscaloosa from, from Atlanta. I know, like, that's your coach, mm-hmm. man. But because you, you, you mentioned a whole bunch of HBCUs there that gave you a whole that, – that a lot of people have a hard time turning down. You talk Clark Atlanta, mm-hmm. Morehouse, Spellman, and that's, that's a – that's a long lineage of history. And, and, you know, it's what I was making my point about this NIL deal, the family's in HBCU, right? The money's yeah. there. The money's always going to be there. Like you see these money offers for Caleb Williams, who's sitting in the transfer portal, go to Eastern Michigan for a million dollars. I mean, that's nothing for, honestly, the people I know, uh, the black owned businesses that will support HBCUs are untapped, you know? And yeah. that's, that was kind of like something that I'm sure you, you noticed when you were there. Cause obviously you guys, one thing with HBCUs, they play it right, right? You don't have to deal with the, the D1. So now this NIL deal comes out, and now you get to play it right and be able to feed the, like feed the mouths of the team that you support, the family member you support. Yes, I can't sir. see a, a plethora of sponsors that not aren't willing to jump on top of this one. Oh, yeah. It's a great opportunity for all the teams. Yeah. Like, they, we opened the doors for them, like, starting out with the video game, the BCFS game like fighting for us to get paid to be on the game and things like that. So all that fall in place for the NIL deals and things like that. I remember when we were playing, we couldn't wear nothing but great gloves. Like yeah. we couldn't wear gloves that match the uniform. So it's great to see them be able to take care of their family or do something smart with the NIL deals, but they yeah. got to be smart about it. Now, now speaking of being smart, look at, I'm looking at your career, man. And I got to say, you took every single opportunity you were given. And yes. I mean that in the best way possible. You were smart with it. You played for coaches like Mark Tressman, Ted Contrell, Pat O'Hara, mm-hmm. to name a few. I mean, AFL, UFL, CFL. On top of that, you won championships in every every country on the North American continent. That's yes. not that's something that not not many people could ever hold claim to. I tried to look it up a stat to see if there's anybody else that claims that. I have no. not seen anybody that claims a CFL title, an IAFL title, and an AFL title at all in their career. So I don't know. I can't say for sure, but you might be the only one. Yeah, I got a championship in Mexico, got a championship in Canada and the USA. Man, a, how, what, first of all, what was that like? Because that's so you talk about Americans going to play in Mexico and Americans going to play in Canada. Obviously, doesn't happen as much as most people would think. Like maybe in Canada more so, but definitely not in Mexico. And it's not easy to, to be a, a championship winner in those teams either. So like, what was that like in your in your in your career? Oh, that opportunity in Mexico was amazing. 2019, I was in Mexico with the Mexicas. We was the only team from America, I mean, from Mexico in the league. Everybody else was from America. We only had seven Americas on the roster. So for Mexico City to have 26 million people there, they're just like playing in New York with Atlanta, with LA, all of them put together. Cause that's a big city if they have 26 million people, because it's only 400,000 here in Atlanta. So to play in front of 26 million people, not we didn't play in front of all 26 million people, but to play in a big city like that, we had a nice fan base. Every game was like a party, because you know it, uh, Mexicans like to party a lot. Like yeah, the game fun. like a party, it was fun. The championship game was amazing. We beat the Texas team. Um, they from like Southern Texas. And one of the guys who was coaching, he went to Stillman College. Oh, so okay. I, I was able to beat one of the guys that graduated from Stanford College in championship. <laughs> See, it's a small world, and that's that's what's funny. Is like 
People don't realize, and and I know you've been on a few other shows, and you're on one of our friends, uh, friend of the podcast, Gridiron Gallery. He does a lot of alternative football, and oh, he, yeah. he, you know, he talks about a lot of the arena leagues. And something I've gleaned from him, especially, is just the the passion that you get from some of these these other leagues that honestly you can't see anywhere else. Like NFL, look, don't get me wrong, you got a few organizations, yeah. right? You got the Browns, you got the Raiders, which you had a mini camp with the Browns, so you do have experience with some of these Clevelanders. But like outside of there's like a, a handful of like seven or eight teams deep, they're yeah. not the same passionate that you would get out of the Mexico City fans who, man, those guys, I, I watched a soccer game in Mexico City and that was crazy enough. I couldn't imagine watching an indoor, soccer, indoor football match there. Right. Hey, we had went to a soccer game. They were playing in Monterey and they got out of control. So we had to leave. <laughs> that was like one of my greatest experiences to see a live uh, soccer game in Mexico. I have like three jerseys. <laughs> That's crazy. So, so compare yeah. compare playing in Mexico to let's say your experience with the New York Sentinels playing playing in the UFL. What was that like? That experience playing for Ted Contrell compared to playing in Mexico later on. I mean, because these are we're, these are two different sides of your career, right? This is one's coming fresh out of college. One is you've been playing in a few different leagues now. So, what was that that kind of what's that difference like being in your time? When I first came out of college, I was young, you know, body real real thick. Like can run all day. And Coach Cottrell, he was like a real, real cool coach. Like he gave me a great opportunity to come to New York and play and been around Simeon Rice, Cesar Sapp, and guys like that that was in the NFL for seven plus years and future Hall of Famers and Hall of Famers. It was fun. And I learned a lot from the guys on and off the field to be a professional, how to carry myself, how to talk to people, and how to be a leader to the youth. Yeah, no, let's see. That's that's the big thing that they people underestimate. The UFL, I mean, you mentioned Simeon Rice, an all yeah. all pro. I mean, like literally a guy that all pro on and off the field. I mean, he he set records in his time in college and then in, in his time in the pros, he was almost unguardable in given any given time. Yeah, so, he he was so cool in practice. He showed me a drill like trash cans. You flip them upside down and get on your knees and work on your drills. You know, defensive line and receivers, you use your hands the same. So yeah. I used to do like hand drills with Simeon right after practice because he seen something in me. He used to always tell me this how you can get out the press as a receiver by using certain defensive line moves. And that helped me a lot, especially at my size to be 5'7", 185. That, that helped me a lot. And and by the way, that's, you know, I, I got to, I've been kind of gleaning around the point that you are 5'8", you know, Lily said 5'8", 180 when you're playing, right? Yeah. Five seven one seventy five is, is you know kind of where you were where you're coming out. Yeah, I mean uh, let's let's be let's be honest. How many pro how many players do you know of that are five eight one eighty that can say that they've had a career that you've 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 been able to edge? How how does that? I mean because that's that's almost record breaking in of its own, right? Being your size and and being as successful as you've been because that's something I talk about your career in college. You were you were one of the most successful times at Stillman, but not just mm-hmm. that you've had successful times throughout your pro pro career like so you only know success at the end of the day right I try my best I've been I've been like that since I was six years old like speaking of Deion sounded like he the first NFL guy I ever met like when I was a kid I played for Valentine City Falcons and we right across the street from where they played at, at the Georgia Dome and he was playing football and baseball and things like that and I always wanted to be like Deion Sanders you know talk like him like dress like him well, jewelry like him or something, you know, he, he just was flashy. He made football fun. Like, oh, yeah. it was cool to, uh, like, just watch Dion coming up as a kid. 
see, that's awesome. And that, that's something that you don't get very often, right? That's, yeah. you know, as an offensive lineman, I can't say I wanted to be Dion. I wanted to be Dion. Let's be completely honest. I was a Cowboys fan growing up yeah. watching Dion as a corner. Like, absolutely, I wanted to. But I'm an offensive lineman. I knew my limitations. Uh, there was no. Uh, like you yeah, oh yeah, no. Hey, there was there was other guys I could I could be I could be flashy with, but but yeah, I could yeah. never live up to the Dion level of flashy. You know, he was a different <laughs> uh man. I, I just didn't have that coordination. <laughs> Best way to put it. But now you talk about you know obviously you you grew up in Vine City, and what was that moment? You obviously talk about meeting Dion's head. Was that the moment that you knew you wanted to be a football player, or was there like a a moment where it hit you later on in life that you were like, this is what I'm gonna do. Um, my 12th grade year in high school, that's when I really wanted to like go to college and take football serious because I played every sport. I really didn't know what I wanted to do coming out of high school because I played basketball, ran track, baseball, and football. But I found my passion when I got to college and turned to a receiver because I played running back in high school. But when I became a receiver in college, it was more fun. Like I could catch the ball, run out of bounds, act like I'm going out of bounds. And things like that. It was more fun playing receiver than running back because I was getting hit all the time. But yeah. I never got hit in college that much because I had, like, no touchdown under 29 yards. So all my touchdowns was deep. Hey, I'm jealous. I, I yeah, You know, I'm the, I'm the guy that – I'm like, hey, great job. I'll meet you on the sideline and give you the high five. But I'm not – yeah, that was my that was my job as a lineman, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just wave, wave, wave as you're running downfield 60 yards. Like, yeah, I'll see you later. But not – that so so you moved, made the transition from running back to receiver, like yes. that's huge. I, I mean that's something that like that's I, I, as an offensive offensive lineman I could tell you from from guard to tackle is big, from left <laughs> to right is big. Yeah, you go for straight from a running back to a receiver. Did you almost feel like you were free at that point in time, or was it just like I was able to use my speed for real? Like at every time, like every time, like because you know football at running back you had to be patient. Um, like running and following your blocks yeah. and receiver, I could just open up. You could really see me run. Yeah. And that's why I really got my name Speedy because I was showing it. Like I was able to show how fast I was when I got to college and on the next level. Now, see, that's what's up. Now, so did you have any offers before you switched? Did you have any, any sort of inkling like you wanted to go play at the next level or was it something like you had to go walk on no matter what? Oh no! Um, you said my out of high school or yeah. college? Out of high school. Oh, out of high school. Um, I didn't have too many big recruits, but I had two laying on the list. That's D one, University of Cincinnati, University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, Alabama A and M, Pearview, Austin P. Um, I had schools like uh, Coastal Carolina and things okay. like that. But so was that? Now was that a running back or was that a receiver? That was a running back. That was a running back. So they wanted you. I mean, they wanted you as a running back. So when you switched yeah. to receiver, did it? Did you see the opposite? Like, did they decline, or did they just like? Did your did your offer shoot up? I went to Stillman as a running back. I oh, okay. So you you made it yeah. in college. Then you were just like, all right, I'm done. Like, forget yeah. this. I get to go. I get to go have fun now that I'm in college. Yes, I went out there and just I lined up at receiver one time, and I went against the best cornerback they had at Stillman at the time. He was on the draft board. But he, he played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I went against him. And when I went against him, he jammed me up real good the first time. And he was like, welcome to college. <laughs> After that, I never got jammed again. I showed them that 
I'm a top dog at receiving, no matter how big I am. I always had this saying, I'm 5'8", but I'm 6'8", when the ball in the air. So ever since that day, after that, that day, he jammed me. I never got jammed again. And I started loving the receiver, the receiver play game from that point on. And it was fun. See, that's that's awesome. Now, speaking of fun, obviously, I got to ask you about this ring on your finger. You talk about playing big, but that thing is, look, at 5'8", you got, you got, I got to ask you, what, which one is that from? And what is that, like, what's, how, how special is that to you? This from Duke City. Okay. This, this, in 2009, I mean, not nine, 2019, I went to Mexico City and I won a championship with Mexico City. And then I came back to the U.S. and then I got picked up by Duke City right before the playoffs. And then I helped them win the championship against Salina. Okay. So against Salina, Kansas, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, sir. I got two championships in 2019, back to back. That's what's up. So what is that? So that ring, obviously, you're wearing it. It means it obviously means something to you. How how special? Not just is that ring, but I'm gonna say the the trifecta. Obviously, your CFL, mm-hmm. and then your one from Mexico, and now that one from from America. Like how how special are those to really have to be able to tell that story? You're a part of something forever. It's a brotherhood that you'll have forever. The guy that's on that team, we're gonna go down in history forever. The team from Canada, the team from Mexico, the team from Duke City. We're going to always go down the history together. We fought to the end. Like when you, like games like the one we played in Duke City, that game will always be remembered. Like how it came down to the end, the win that we had, how defense win games, special teams win games. Offense, we sell tickets, but when you play all phases of the game as a team and you win a championship ring together, that's the best feeling. Like everybody proud. When you make a whole nother city proud and you could be from Buckchuck County, Minnesota, and you have a kid all the way in Albuquerque, New Mexico, screaming your name, he's gonna remember you forever because you were part of that 2019 championship team. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. Like it's funny because you mentioned they played Salina. I actually was living in Kansas and I lived about 30 minutes shy of Salina, Kansas, okay. when I when I was in 2019. So I knew there was a Salina Bombers, if I'm not mistaken. That you guys, oh, you know, with the Salina Bombers, like a couple years before, now there's a Salina Liberty. Yep, there they are. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was what I remember. I remember there's the Bombers. Yeah, it's the same organization, but a different name, man. Oh, see, that's a small world, man. Like that's that's crazy because you mentioned beating somebody from Stillman in the in Mexico, and then obviously I knew I knew about Salina, and you're beating them. Like that's a, that's a small world as well. But you want to, you know. Talk about making it even smaller. The one thing I haven't talked about yet, I haven't asked you about. So you played on 50-yard 50, 50 fields. You mm-hmm. played on 100-yard fields. And you played on 120-yard fields. How weird was it playing in Canada for the very first time? And that's, I mean, this is coming two years after you were in college. And you're playing for Mark Tressman in Montreal. The crazy thing about it was minicamp. That was the worst minicamp ever. We had to play every position to make the roster. Like, you Kick return, you had to catch six balls at one time, don't drop one. Like we had a drill that we were doing around the field because in Canada, you have to be in shape to play that big field. Mm-hmm. So the conditioning, it was amazing, but crazy at the same time. You had to really be in shape to play in Canada. Yeah. And then regular field, that's, you know how that is. It's, it's almost, it's the same thing, but it's it's a little bit smaller, but in arena field, I already I be at full speed 
by the time I get 20 yards and if we're on the same plane, by the time I get up on you, it's over. Yeah. And then the motions in Canada helped me when I got into arena because I was able to learn how to set up the cornerback on my route. See, that's, and that's something that a lot of people don't understand is that that extra motion you get even in arena or in Canada, that takes, takes an extra little aspect to it. Now, was there ever a moment in Canada you just like, you thought you were playing on an American field? Did you, did you ever think you were like, Oh, I'm at a hundred yards. I'm good. Like, here we are. Like, did you ever, did you ever get that in your head or was it, did you do pretty good about not, not forgetting it was 120? I never had the regular feel in my head while I was out there. <laughs> you know, you can run a real post from the five yard line. Yeah. So you still have a 20 yard end zone. You can run a five step, I mean, a five step post. The quarterback can take five steps and hit you on a true post from the goal line. And you also can use the goal line to pick, like you run a crossing route and pick. See, yeah, that's I wish they bring back the front front end zone, uh, yeah, uh, for, as well in the NFL some days because I get tired of seeing the pick plays get called. I'm like, I just let it go. <laughs> it was more yeah. fun for me to watch, but no, that's, see, that's that's something crazy that people like won't won't understand, right? You get that extra 25 yards, I think, is in the end zone. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in Canada, so you got. I mean, for somebody like you, 5'8", can run like the wind, that's that's almost like giving you a playground to go out there and have fun on, right? Yes, sir. I love having fun on that field. And <laughs> arena, it's, it's, I think arena field is the funnest field to play on, though, because the impact of the fans, how close they are to us, how we really can have fun with the fans while they're talking to us. Flipping over the wall, like I'm small, it don't hurt me to flip over the wall. I know how to use my body. I'm, I'm very flexible and acrobatic, so I know how to flip over the wall and I catch the ball. So that's the fun thing about arena football. I still yeah. go to the wall right now. I always tell my quarterback, throw me the ball over the wall if he's too close on me because he's not going to go over there. I'm going. Yeah. And so now you did just sign with the Orlando Predators. That's your second second stint with them. But you've actually mm -hmm. had your most successful season in Arena Football League, and that was with the High Country Grizzlies, NAL all-purpose leader. What was that season like for you? Did you just feel like you were on another level? Like, did it just – what what is that feeling to be so much? I guess I won't say better, but to feel so much better than everybody else. Oh, it was amazing! It was the first year of the NAL, so that's the great thing about going back to the NAL. And I I noticed like you have some players who have big numbers in the NAL today. They're doing great, like Devin Wilson and other guys like that. But that year we only played seven games. Cause they canceled like three hour games, corporate Christian and the Dayton Wolfpack and people like that. And I had a thousand yards all purpose. The only player were over a thousand yards. And I had a great quarterback. I had a great line, great running backs, um, great defense. We just couldn't get over the hump to make it to the playoff. But the numbers, I really didn't pay attention to them because we didn't have a great season, but yeah. it was fun playing in the NAL and I'm coming back this year to get my ring. And so, being in the jungle is like the best arena that I ever played in, like the best organization in arena football. They in my top three. The jungle, that's a loud arena. The Amway, it be rocking. So it's great to start my arena career there and end my career my career there if I stop playing after this year. So that's so let's talk about that for a second. You've been in, you've been now going for ten years strong. You've gone through COVID playing now you're back with Orlando and you just talked about the, your love for the jungle. How, how much does this really like how much returning back after now you've had success, right? You had success along, along the way 
You've had the three major championships. You've had your all-purpose leader award. Like coming back now as a more seasoned professional to this, the, the uh, to a storied. Let's say uh, honestly, they are storied franchise as far as arena football goes in Orlando. They have been along around for a long time, yes, and sir. then to be able to return here now, how's this? How does this really feel? Like do, they go like go through what what that felt like being like signing your line your name on the dotted line again. Oh man, the first thing I thought about was the community. The community is amazing in Orlando. Like the people, they really, really fight for their team. Like they love to fight for their team. They feel like they on the field. So like being able to go back to Orlando, be around them type of people and the fan base, the raw, you know, the kids, the 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 fun fest that going on in the city, doing the games and just embracing it. Like I love it. The whole atmosphere of being in Orlando, playing in front of them. 10,000 plus fans every week. That's a that's a great feeling. Yeah, man. I'm I'm excited for you. But you did mention something that I just want to ask you about it. Mm-hmm. You did mention that you might potentially after this season this might be your last one. How do you feel that you know at the back of your head that maybe that time is coming? That maybe you're not the young spry chicken you once were. Let's say, let's call <laughs> it that. Exactly. You just answered it. You're not the young chicken no more. But at the same time, I still have that motor like I'm 21. But if I win a ring, well, we're going to win a ring. I'm going to go ahead and jump over and start being a coach. Okay. So yeah. what, do you th- what do you think you want to start with coaching? Like, are you going to head back to your roots, head back to, like, Vine City and go maybe not, not necessarily Vine City, but maybe stay with Orlando and start, start youth Pop Warner? Or are you thinking high school? Are you thinking Arena League? What do you where your where's your headset or are you just gonna take it where where it lets you go? I'm gonna take it where it let me go, but my heart is high school or arena football. Okay, nice. That's what's up. I, I, I mean, look, I can talk I can tell you stats about some some high school football coaches' pays, but are yeah. you thinking any state in particular going to high school football, or are you thinking you wanna go go to one in particular? I I just got because you know, football down my, south, I gotta ask. I want my auto model. Okay. You want to be down down south? Vine, but, what, so Vine City, that feeds into, is that that's not College Park, is it? No, it's, it's downtown Atlanta, right across the street from the Mercedes-Benz. Okay. We have a train station right there, say Vine City train station. That's how you go into the, the yeah. um, Mercedes-Benz uh, dorm. You got to walk across the bridge, and that's my neighborhood right there behind it. So every time you see the Falcons game, you see in my community. So, growing, so you want to go back to your hometown? Go back to, to your alma mater coach there in the shadow of the what is now the new Mercedes Superdome, which, by the way, I still think is a spaceship going to take yeah. us. In. That's going to be the thing that takes us to Mars. I don't know if you've been in the new one yet. Man, yeah. that thing is insane. It's it's something else. Yeah, we'll be okay. Have Chick-fil-A in there. Yeah, it's like Chick-fil-A. You got a steakhouse. and You got, look, $2 hot dogs. It's honestly the cheapest food I've ever gotten at a, at a pro football game. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. no, man, I greatly appreciate you coming on. We're going to – Drop this interview. Is there anything that I didn't touch on that you want to talk about though? Like I'm gonna give you the I'm gonna give you the floor. This is your opportunity. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. Well, I just wanna thank you for bringing me on the show. I wanna give thanks to God first, my family, friends, everybody who follow me, people who come support me, play, no matter if I'm in California or New York or Florida. I just want to give thanks to them guys and the opportunity that God gave me and being able to play football at my age at a high level is very fun. I love the kids. I love to embrace people around me. I just try to be better every day. 
I know we're going through COVID, so I try to help kids, like, stay healthy. Like, stay home, but when you want to, like, go outside or something, move around. Like, try to stay healthy. Do the right things. Eat right. Like, take your vitamins or whatever. So I just try to educate people most as I can while we're going through this pandemic together, show that we're a family together because we all find this. That's what's up, man. This has been an absolutely fantastic interview, Darren. I greatly appreciate it. Honestly, I'm going to check back in with you in the middle of the season. I want to see what you do, how you're doing. Maybe at the end of the season, we get you coming back on, hopefully with a new ring in your in your arsenal. Yes, sir. Awesome, Darren. Well, hey, man, this has been absolutely fantastic. We appreciate it, as always. This has been a fantastic interview with Darren Speedy Clark. And as you heard, he will be returning to the Orlando Predators this season, and it's going to be an absolutely fun time, guys. Stay tuned and follow along as he continues through this season, and we'll see how it ends up. And hopefully we get him back on the show. But that'll do it for this interview, guys. We'll be right back with you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Wow, that was an absolutely fantastic interview. He had a lot of good things to say as well, too. Wonderful way to end that as well, too. Talk about helping the community, helping the kids as well, too. And he's very well, very well spoken. Wonderful player. One thing that stuck out to me, too, is a former receiver using your hands like a defensive lineman, getting on your knees and like fighting the garbage can, that sort of thing as well, too. Like that was really cool to hear because I was, believe it or not, guys, I'm not like six foot seven. I'm a smaller receiver, as a smaller receiver back in the day, too. So I'd have, you need to find a way to get off those jams. So that's really cool. And, He's going to make a heck of a coach. You just hear he knows the game as well, too. When he decides to make that transition, he's going to be a good one. Look, that was most one of the most fun, fun interviews. Like, no offense to anybody else we've had on the show, but more of us, like, his energy. You talk about coaches. I love coaches with energy. That's the number one thing. And, and you know, we talked about this. When I when I did the interview originally, I I, I texted you afterwards. I was like, man, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, it was – it's it, you know, and, and then that ring, man, that Duke City ring. That thing was just flashing all over the screen. Mm-hmm. There was like there was a point where if I don't ask about it, I'm the worst interviewer in the world mm-hmm. because I was like, man, this is so cool. Like, look at this giant flashy. Th- like, I haven't seen that for for me. That one was like the coolest, one of the cooler rings I, I think I've ever seen. Absolutely, as well too. And that's what happens when you win everywhere you go, as well too. You mentioned all a championship in all three countries in North America, as well too, and possibly another one on the way. Absolutely incredible, consummate professional, wonderful watching his game too. Like Speedy is an understatement for a nickname as yeah. well too. Like I, like it definitely, it's true to the name. There's like the jokes where the giant guy's named Tiny. Not in this case, Speedy is an accurate nickname for him. Oh, 100. It's without a doubt, man. And and Darren, if you're watching, by the way, shout out to you for coming on. We would greatly appreciate. It. We were originally supposed to do the interview a week prior. I got sick. We all witnessed my sickness on on mm. our one of our last episodes. Barely able to hand like function. But uh, thankfully, he was able to reschedule and, and do the interview with us. That was an absolutely so much fun to talk with him. And I can't wait. Honestly, I really can't wait to see what he can do this season. I know I'm going to reach back out to him during the season. Now, he told me, we went off air. He did tell me to reach back out week four because he thinks he might have 20 touchdowns. I, I He might hate me for throwing that one out there. But now with the new Ironman rule, he's aiming for 20 touchdowns total by week four of their season, which if he can pull that off, man, I'm going to bow down. I'm going to give him the GOAT title right then mm. and there. Like, it's going to 
We will make a high-low sports GOAT title and hand it over to Darren at that point in time if he's able to do that. We'll make him a high-low crown. We'll get we'll get something as well, too. That'd be absolutely outstanding. Absolutely, once again, it was an absolute pleasure to hear from him as well, too, and hear a little bit about his story and what he has coming up as well, too. So that was a wonderful interview. We appreciate him coming on as well, too. And that's going to take us to, and this episode will be Kelsey's fa- fa- second favorite segment. Normally, this is his favorite, but today it's going to be the second favorite after that interview. It is known as Crunch Time, and Crunch Time is brought to you by our friends at Swift Lifestyles. Go and click the link. It's pretty much pre-workout without the itch and some of the jitters you get from traditional pre-workouts as well, too. So definitely check that one out. And Kelsey, we're going to go right to you as well, too. What's on your mind for Crunch Time today? This is normally where we stick true to our to our show mantra of rants, rankings, recaps, something short and quick we have on our mind. Kelsey, what, what are you thinking about today? Uh, quite simply, that national championship game. What started out as one of the ugliest games I have ever watched in my life mm-hmm. turned into one of the most beautiful stories I think I've ever heard as well. Former walk-on, yo-yo, down to Juco, back out to the school he originally transferred from, Stetson Bennett, the mailman himself because of how many times he turned the ball over, he's been jokingly named the mailman by his own fans. Well, they can all take it and take this one to the mailbox because there's a brand-new championship in your your arsenal thanks to Stetson Bennett's performance. He had that really ugly turnover that really, honestly, I don't think was a fumble. But after that, 4 for 4, 86 yards, and two touchdowns on some absolute dimes. And he, he put the team on his back there. That was absolutely fantastic to watch this entire Georgia team kind of fight over their own demons, including Kirby Smart. And uh, from the SEC West, we eternally thank you for slightly humbling Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide just a little bit. Hopefully it carries over as well, too. And I want to just, everything you said about Stetson, absolutely fantastic. Kirby Smart finally getting the monkey off his back with Nick Saban. That defense getting a chance to redeem itself after that SEC championship game where we were on the call and color cast for that one. We were like, really? Really? Like, what's this? De-? Like, we always knew the defense wasn't literally six points a game allowed. Like, that might have been inflated, but they weren't this badly overrated worthy. We got to see that was what the SEC championship game was supposed to be. So, as much as the idea of a rematch was eh. Up until the game, the game actually lived up to it as well, too. And Georgia's defense made the plays to win the game down the stretch. We saw countless guys that are going to be playing on Sunday on both sides of the ball. So it was an absolutely sensational story and game as well. But instead, it's met on Good Morning America the next day, too. You could do it. It's he's not 100%. So whoever allowed that, my goodness. But good on him for pulling together and doing a pretty good job, despite what the screenshots look like. You would have, you I, like, you had to have learned Good Morning America from the last time you had a sports figure or any sports figures, the women's national team, after their huge World Cup win. They have them on, and they're all still inebriated. Uh, celebrating, <laughs> like, yeah, like they're, 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 they're so, like day after interviews should never happen on live TV. I'm sorry, it makes for great content, and again, this goes into the category of like, yeah, we'd enjoy it, but like. For their sake, like let's not ask them to do that, please. At least nothing before ten a.m. Like give them, give them a moment. Like no, nothing that's good morning in the title. Let him be able to take a shower at least, please. Maybe good afternoon, America. That's where we could get him on there as well too. But he, it was a sensational job. Good for Georgia to get to get in there as well too. The amount of times we've told you that Georgia's sports teams have struggled in recent memory as well too, and to see them actually come through not once but twice now in a couple of and honestly just a couple of months and have a top four NFC South team as well. Well, that that one hurts a little bit to to Atlanta fans. You just couldn't. You just had to give them that one as well too. And the Hawks are good too. So, Hawks are climbing. They're getting better, I should say. But top top uh, playoff team, absolutely. So we're gonna look at crunch time for DJ. Mine's gonna be short and quick. And what we talked, we mentioned the Hawks. Well, I'm gonna stick in the NBA, but I'm gonna go over to Memphis and talk about what the Grizzlies are doing right now. Ten, not one, not two, not three, but ten. 
consecutive wins to put them in fourth place in the Western Conference as well, too. And it's led by a guy who could be in the MVP running it this year, John Morant, as well, too. Absolutely incredible. It's a game that he run he is on right now. 25 points to go along with yeah. almost seven assists and almost six rebounds as well, too. The highlight plays he makes, we saw that block where he looked like he was catching a touchdown pass not too long ago. He's been absolutely incredible. This team is going as he goes. He's a lot like a young Derrick Rose. That's who I compared him to during when we were calling the playoff games last year. And he's living up to it and everything and more. And let's not forget, he was injured in what looked like it could have been a season-ending injury, lower leg injury earlier in the year and had to miss a couple of weeks. He has bounced back from that tenfold as well, too, and the Grizzlies haven't even necessarily hit their stride. So look out for them to be one of those teams this year that take everybody by surprise, like the Knicks and the Hawks did last year. Maybe it's the Grizzlies that do it this year. Yeah, I had to – sorry, I was trying to figure out you had one, not two, not three, but you kept it here. And I was like, oh, yeah, it does equal three. But on more importantly, it's number 12. It's John Morant's number. And that's like that's when I was like, oh, okay, this dude's about to – yeah. John Morant, I, man, he's a freak. I was leaving the Easter egg there for those to realize. So good on you for catching that one. It took me a second. I had to like I had to mess with my own fingers, and then I was looking at the camera. It's all reversed. And it, Hey, you know what? It's all good. The point is he's been absolutely incredible as well, too. That team has been on a roll. Look out for them. We talked about the Warriors when they were going on their run. They're still in control for that number one or two seed area. Same with the Suns. Look out for the Grizzlies. They could be dangerous down the stretch. The way John Moran is not only playing, but he's climbing, too. He's not yeah. he's not playing at an elite level. He's playing an elite and climbing level, which is the – those are the guys that get scary down the stretch. If he can continue to stay healthy, uh, be careful, everybody. The only reason he's not higher on the stat things is because he hasn't played quite as many games, if I'm not mistaken. But look, look at it. I think he's going to be making a run for that MVP. And look for him to be very Derrick Rose-esque before Derrick Rose, unfortunately, had the knee injury. I called it last year, and he looks like it right now. I'm sticking with it. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be fun to watch. But, guys, that'll do it for us today. We have run out of time. This is our first debut on Tiki Live. We'll be doing this every Wednesday, 10 p.m. Eastern time, as well as going live on our Twitter and YouTube accounts there at the same time. So you can catch us there. There will be replays available for you, and the audio will be up tomorrow. And, by the way, we'll be on ColorCast this weekend for some NFL playoff action. So we can't wait for that, guys. But, as always, we will see you later. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.